You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. And on today's episode, we have a really special announcement. It's something that's really unusual. It is a project that we are we are rolling out for this fall and winter for the 2023-24 hunting season. And it's a project that you can be involved in. As a waterfowl hunter, you are one of the key participants in this effort. It's a project that we're calling Duck DNA. And it is, it's a project that we've been working on for about a year. We've been, actually, to be honest, I didn't know until a few months ago if we were actually going to be able to make this happen. A few things fell into place, and it is a go. And so it's DuckDNA. There is a website associated with it where you can learn more about it, DuckDNA.com. And basically what it is, is we are going to be enlisting the help of waterfowl hunters to collect and submit tissue samples from harvested waterfowl that will then be going through through some genetic analyses to help us gather really important data, help some of our researchers gather some really important data on, on waterfowl genetics, hybridization, all sorts of things. Today's episode is where we're going to describe that project and tell you how you can apply to be part of Duck DNA for this upcoming hunting season. Joining me to help describe this project is uh, joining remotely, Dr. Phil Lavretsky. He's been on with us before. Phil, it's great to have you here with us. Always happy to be here. And then in studio, I am, I'm very excited to welcome in Ashley Tunstall, our conservation science assistant here at Ducks Unlimited. Ashley, it's great to have you here as well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for letting me do this. So, Phil, we've heard from you a number of times, like who you are, what you do. So, we're going to skip over that introduction for you. People are going to start to learn as we get into this episode what you what you do. You're a geneticist. You, you're studying genetics and waterfowl uh, and are doing a lot of groundbreaking research. And this program, Duck DNA, is, is the next really exciting step in some of that work. Ashley, first time being on the Ducks Unlimited podcast. And so you've been with, with us here at National Headquarters since, what was it, February? You have become our, our, our project manager, the leader on this, on this uh, program, this project. And so I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, where'd you come from? What, do you th- what, what has this experience been like for you? 
Yeah, um, I'm originally from the New Orleans area in Louisiana. I went to Louisiana State University for my undergrad and graduated in 2021. Um, I did undergraduate research under Dr. Kevin Ringelman for a few years, and that really kind of introduced me to the world of waterfowl because I'm neither a hunter nor a outdoor enthusiast in that way, or I wasn't, until I really started to learn more about how cool and unique waterfowl are, and now I'm working here at Ducks Unlimited helping y'all to do some community science, and I'm really excited for the opportunity. So thanks for that, Ashley. We're going to jump right into the discussion here. And, and Phil, this this really all starts with you. You are the leading waterfowl genetic, geneticist in North America. And the work that we're doing through Duck DNA is critical to you in sort of advancing our understanding about waterfowl genetics and some of the important issues that are un, unfolding in that in that space. Uh, we had a, we've had you on a number of times. The most recent episode in the Ducks Unlimited podcast where we discussed this issue of waterfowl genetics was episode 477, released in June of this year. Discoveries of from duck DNA and how it's changing the way we, how it's changing everything about how we're, we're thinking of, of waterfowl. Uh, I would encourage people to go back and listen to that episode that kind of gives you the most current understanding of where we are. Duck DNA is sort of the next installment of this where we're leveraging the power of waterfowl hunters all across this landscape to expand the scale uh, and quite frankly, the quantity of samples that are going to be collected and submitted for genetic analysis to inform some of these questions that Phil has been asking. So Phil, I'll ask you to give our audience the 30,000-foot view of where we are with our understanding of waterfowl genetics, the key issues that, that we're trying to address, and then how does duck DNA fit into sort of the next step of that? Yeah, 30,000 feet. I don't know if I have that capacity. <laughs> give it your best shot. How do I explain this? So, so I'm a geneticist. I'm a wildlife geneticist, and but I, but I sort of... It, have the foundational knowledge of the ecology and management of waterfowl, particularly, and I, I sort of go after all of that with using genetics as and all be all. Like, what is it that we're studying? And, the, and this whole this whole area that we're moving into really comes down to the fact that we use genetics to find out some interesting patterns in at that time mallards and black ducks. And we use that information then to un, to then ask the ne- next question: What exactly is happening to wild North American mallards here? Something invisible was occurring at that time. And fast forward, you know, that was 2019. Fast forward to today, not a lot of time, but uh, through a lots and lots of collaborations, including private individuals that were providing samples, we now know that 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 new genetics that is in North America is actually from game farm mallards. That was a big, big new idea that, that, you know, we, we knew that game farm mallards, the, these domestic variants that are basically being released for, you know, shooting preserves, hunting purposes, we all dogmatically thought they did nothing to the population, but essentially there was this silent conservation concern that was occurring over the last hundred years that has transformed the genetic component, genetics of our wild North American mallards more and more towards this kind of domestic variant ancestry. And, and so, so where that led us to is trying to understand at what le- landscape level is this occurring? At what, what, what are the consequences, you know, their, their ability to migrate, their ability to feed, their ability to survive, have kids, all of that has direct implications to populations 
Um, and in this case, wild North American mallard populations, which is obviously a top tier duck that all of us duck hunters um, prize. So it's quite concerning the levels that we've learned to, to date of what is occurring on the landscape. And so that is the 30,000 foot understanding of how where we are and w- what we got here. And this is the con- conversation that you and I had. And, and uh, lo and behold, you know, how better to study a species than to uh, a game species than to bring in the masses of hunters into the into the fold to allow at scale un, you know studies at scales that are inconceivable for almost any other species um and this is this is where we are with duck dna you know phil this idea really began whenever we were we were talking a number of months ago about how people have been getting in touch with you just sort of organically over the past couple of years, asking you how they can submit tissue samples or how they can figure out what kind of weird hybrid that they have, that they've harvested. And you've you've made ways for them to submit those tissue samples and you can identify sort of the parentage of these birds. But we began to think about, uh, can we expand that? Can we get more information? Uh, can, we, can we leverage that same interest to get more information about waterfowl genetics, not just hybrids, but that from that entire mallard clade and find out other things that are that may be going on taxonomically and hybridization wide uh, wise and and so forth, and so that that's kind of what is happening here is this idea is going beyond just hybrids and we're going to be soliciting participation from hunters to submit tissue samples from from hybrids that's still going to be a viable option, but also from a suite of species that fall within this mallard clade to help us really. Uh, better understand uh, the, the issue that you that you just described, and it's really cool, I think, to be able to do this to give for for hunters to be able to participate in the science, and then in exchange, we're going to provide information to the hunters about the genetic uh, sort of makeup of their birds, sort of a genetic profile, uh, scientifically analyzed by you and and your folks in your lab. And so that's kind of where we are with this. It's a really exciting moment. And I guess where we need to go right now is sort of explaining what this is, how hunters can be involved, how you can apply to be involved. And for that, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Ashley. And I guess we kind of start with the, the website, right? So yeah, people will be able to go to duckdna.com. You can put that in your web browser right now and go to the website and see it. And um, there's going to be some information on that website for you to read and look through about the project and, you know, what our goals are and what the background is, a little bit about what Dr. Lavretsky and Mike have talked about today, as well as some additional information, some information about Dr. Lavretsky's lab at UTEP, so you can learn more about other research they're doing there as well. And then um, there's going to be an apply today button. And if you hit that apply today button, a modal will come up that will ask you for your email address, your name, and the place that you primarily hunt. And so that information is going to be kept in a database on our end. And then come mid-October, we're going to select our first round of participants. It'll be, first round will be 150 folks. We'll do that again in November. Somewhere around in there. We're still working. Yeah. We're still working. <laughs> in of November, that. December. December. I think yeah. early December is probably, well, probably yeah. where we'll end up. But we'll okay. see. Well, we'll select a second round in the latter half of the year, almost towards the end. And then y'all will all get, anybody who signed up and submitted their email address will get an email 
telling them and notifying them that they've been selected. And at that point, you can log on to your individualized portal and enter a little bit more information so that we can then mail you your duck DNA kit. This kit is something that we have painstakingly designed to try to make it <laughs> I'll say. as um, user-friendly and as intuitive as possible. In that kit, you will find uh, all the components necessary for you to conduct your hunter-scientist research. You'll be able to collect samples and put them into vials prepared by Dr. Lavretsky and his uh, lab mates, his technicians. And then you will have to reseal those vials and prep them all, and then you'll be able to mail them back to Dr. Lavretsky after you've collected all five, or if you couldn't collect all five in the hunting season, that's fine too. And then Dr. Lavretsky and his team will go through, analyze those samples, sequence the DNA, and you will get an individualized certificate sent back to your account with all of the genetic information you could want about your harvested waterfowl. If you've harvested a brown duck, some kind of mallard clade individual, you will get a certificate of purity, which will be how percent pure wild mallard your mallard is. And you can compare with your buddies to see who's got the best duck. And then... Um, <laughs> I can, I can just hear the conversations already. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. And then, you know, alternatively, if you've shot what you believe to be a hybrid, you will then receive a certificate with a, uh, a certificate of parentage, which will indicate, you know, what two species made up that hybrid if it is a hybrid. Or Dr. Phil can show you this is not a hybrid. This is this one species. It just looks really yeah. weird, you know. And so there's going to be so many options and deliverables for you guys to get to see and a way for y'all to really get to participate participate in the science and have an invested hand in the future of this research as well. That was awesome, Ashley. Thanks for that introduction. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina ProPlan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina ProPlan Sports. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. So many questions still running through my mind here. Things I know people, we're going to have like an extensive frequently asked questions list eventually on this website. I will ask people to, to bear with us as we first get into this. Uh, we're pro, I don't know, we're going to see, we're going to be providing, putting additional information on the website over the coming days and weeks. So if you go there today and you don't find all the, find all the information that Ashley described, keep coming back. It's going to be there. You, you will be able to apply, but some of the other information in the background uh, on Dr. Lavretsky's lab. We're still working on that. Uh, this is literally still a, a, a sort of an active, ongoing project that we're, we're building out, and it's really exciting. There is no cost for people to participate. We will mail out the kits, or more, more uh, precisely, Phil and his, his uh, folks will mail the kits out. It will include prepaid return shipping. It includes uh, professionally designed infographic, stepwise instructions on, on how to collect the sample. We're actually, I've, ha I've already had several people ask me what, what is acceptable tissue. We're just instructing people to, to take a little quarter inch snip of the tongue of a duck 
that they harvest that allows them to like if they want to if it's a hybrid and they want to get it mounted they don't have to sort of damage the skin or the the tissue or the muscle or anything of that nature they just take a little snip of the tongue phil you confirmed last year with some samples that we were experimenting with that that little quarter inch piece of of tongue material tongue tissue is delivers exceptional dna results right yeah no we you you were able to provide that and then we just finished out uh some uh some collecting out in arizona with mexican ducks and other and mallards and other things and I did the same thing. We had blood, tissue, and tongue, and we just finished comparisons, and 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 they were great. So I'm pretty excited about it. I was, I was, you know, one thing that I was afraid of is that we would get like a bunch of DNA from the food that they eat, and that might ah, that might yeah. cause issues. And potentially, we could still do that. But regardless, the nice thing is that Ancestry Call, we get tons of duck DNA. And um, it's been, it works just as well as any other tissue form. So, you know, I've been pretty excited and pleasantly surprised how well it works. So just to ask something in regards to that, you're saying that tongue works as well as any of the other sample types. So theoretically, if for some reason a hunter doesn't feel comfortable giving you a piece of tongue, those alternatives will work just as well. We just prefer tongue for standardization or? No, uh, we just prefer tongue so that way nobody needs to like, uh, carefully slice into the breast tissue and pull out tissue without contaminating everything else. You know that takes a little bit more work, and especially as Mike mentioned, you know if you're gonna take if you're gonna do a taxidermy, well then maybe the taxidermist has to do it and that delays things. Um, it's just it's a highly more standardized if you have like a, a toenail clipper sized clipper and you just sort of clip off the edge of the tongue. And then obviously wipe uh, ethanol wipes or, or or something to sanitize it between the ducts so we don't cross contaminate. Um, it's just way easier, and it's way easier for us too. Uh, when we were, because then we could we were able to quickly freeze the birds uh, for for uh, transportation, but but then we didn't have to spend the time, you know, actually taking the the muscle tissue out. We quickly just clip the tongue in the field. So we're doing it now, pretty much. I think we're going to transition even for our, our own research to to this tissue because the buffer in that tissue for what for one reason or another works great. So um, there's yeah. no reason not to do it. Yeah, and Phil, just to clarify for people that may be listening, when you're talking about the sampling that you're doing in the field, you're not talking about cutting the tongue off a live duck. You're talking about from harvesting yeah, ducks. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. No, yeah. All of these, these are these, these are scientifically uh, collected birds. Yeah, uh, they're all going to mu- to our museum here at University of Texas El Paso, or partnering national museum, well, the, where they will be housed. But currently, when we do these kind of collections, we're lo- we're bringing them in. So that way we can look at the morphology really, really closely. So that way we can start to understand the the different uh, molt cycles, the different plumage types, uh, what constitute, you know, what does a hybrid looks look like? For that, we need to first figure out who is a hybrid, and then we can start parsing those types of questions out. That's a big, that's a big part of my research program here. Um, and so... And so, yeah, so these birds, yeah, the, no, no, no. If they're, if they're alive, we're just taking blood and, <laughs> yeah. and, and letting them go. <laughs> so this first year, uh, we're going to select up to 300 total participants. Each of those participants will receive five sample vials. They'll be able to submit samples from, from five harvested ducks. We're going to emphasize collections from, from the mallard clade as well as uh, any other hybrid duck. We're limiting it to ducks only. Right now, participation is limited to 
hunters in the U.S. or people that are mailing back their packages from the U.S. to be more specific because that's that's the area from which we calculated this prepaid shipping um, 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 postage. So that's going to be included. Phil, you mentioned the ethanol wipes. Those two are going to be included. We've tried not to leave any stone unturned on this thing. The only thing we're not including is the knife or scissors or whatever it is that they need in order to collect that, that, that tongue sample. Um, but we're assuming that folks are certainly going to be able to do that. Let's see what else. Uh, no cost this year. Keep checking back. Did we mention, actually, whenever people, so they're going to sign up initially, and and let's say we get 5,000 people sign up within the first three weeks or something. That's, that's a crazy number, but let's say it happens anyway. The order in which you sign up doesn't matter. It's going to be a random drawing come sort of the first or sec, probably the second or second week of October. So even if you apply apply to participate the day before we draw, your odds of getting selected are just as good as a person that's going to have applied. To- it's a it's New Mexico draw, no preference points. Okay, there you go. <laughs> right? <laughs> no preference. Random draw. No preference points. And then people can continue to sign up to apply to participate up until we do that additional drawing in late November, or early December. We're doing that, those two different drawing periods for, for I guess, one main reason, and that is to get some uh, both geographic representation, recognizing that the hunting seasons, some people may not be fully into duck hunting mode like right now, some southern hunters. And so they might, this may not be on their radar necessarily. And, and then also we just want to get that temporal sampling, greater sampling across the hunting season as well. All of this ultimately, Phil, goes to the idea that we want hunters – who contribute data and have for years in other ways that is helpful to waterfowl management, band recoveries, harvest surveys, et cetera. Um, this is another way for them to contribute to waterfowl management and the science that we use uh, to, to make those decisions. And so the broader that representation across space and time, the better we get a, a handle or you specifically, Phil, your lab and other scientists that will have access to this data uh, will get a handle on on this issue of, of genetics. And and so the presence of game farm allergenes is, is sort of the low-hanging fruit right now, right, in terms of what we can learn from this and how this issue is spreading. But the other thing that, that you and I have talked about is theoretically – the more we learn, and we're going to ask a few questions associated with each of the samples that people provide, the more we learn about, you know, hypothetically, the, the, the habitat use, the location of harvest, um, you know, there's even the possibility that if we can link in um, band recovery information of birds that are submitted, then you have the banding origin of these birds. You can, you can start to imagine this idea of pulling more and more genetically controlled information out of these birds and link it to those, uh, those behavioral traits. And so it kind of takes you down this line of thinking related to ancestry or 23andMe or some of these other uh, other services that are out there. Am I, or am I thinking about it right, Phil? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is more or less what I've been trying to do pro bono <laughs> and just sort of like, you know, folks contacting me and helping me out. Uh, obviously, in addition to all of the state and federal agencies that I've been able to partner with, yeah, I mean, uh, the 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 reason 23andMe and Ancestry.com come back and tell ask, hey, do you want to re- revise your genetic ancestries because they got they have that many more human genomes right they know they can associate that many more genes to certain diseases or propensity to do things in our case i mean to have 
you know, I envisioned this years ago, having this like army of waterfowl, sci- you know, hunter scientists out there to be able to get data across time and space, uh, you know, during this time is again, unimaginable for almost any speed, any, any wildlife. This is a, this is impossible without, unless you had billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? But we have, we have a, a, a resource in these waterfowl hunters that could potentially unlock all sorts of new information that we we could never have figured out. You know, why does a certain duck go to a certain area? You could use telemetry and and banding and band recovery data to to sort of come with some hypotheses. But there could be genetic mechanisms that explain exactly why they're feeding at a certain time using a certain wetland. You know, those associations will be able to overlay, you know, using genetics as that foundation, we can overlay habitat information, uh, resource allocation information, weather severity information, and understand whether there's certain genetic uh, constitutes out there that may better explain, be a better explaining variable to why waterfowl are doing what they're doing. And in that case, that information goes back to folks like DU, where we can create maps and say, hey, there seems to be something happening here where there's a whole bunch of hybrids, you know, certain types of hybrids. Or over here, this is really good key model duck habitat where there are no hybrids. So obviously, model ducks really like this habitat. We need to do something about that. You know, we can provide, we can start to build that kind of information. And hopefully the folks out there are just as excited as I am and we are. Um, and they'll sign up and sign everybody they know up, and uh, we can we can start we can start moving, keeping waterfowl at the forefront of of wildlife conservation. Ashley, it's almost as though Phil is excited about this. Did you get that? Did you pick that up? I did pick it up. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. This is Phil. a dream. This this has been a dream. You are beside yourself right now. It's awesome. I am beside myself. The fact that I was doing we we are in this podcast. I'm sort of like had an out of out of body experience. I was like, <laughs> wow, 10 years ago, nobody would talk to me. And then it was like, this is amazing that this idea that that I've always had in the back of my mind, how awesome this would be to, to include the entire waterfowl uh, uh, conservation group like this. I mean, we could do so much that that so many others can't. Y'all can't see his puppy dog eyes right now. You can't let him down, so you gotta sign uh, up. Those aren't puppy dog eyes. Those are eyes of like I just a I, rabbit I animal jumped over the moon. Um, so let me think, Phil. My mind was going somewhere. I was going somewhere, and I I lost it there. But um, oh oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Like I think we talked about this. So you've been collecting samples through your through your organized research that's funded through state and federal partners for the past several years. And you, you've you told us on past episode, episode 477 is where we talk about some of this. And it and people go back to that episode and listen, and you will hear some of the things that Phil just talked about in terms of what's possible, some of the new things that we're learning and what we're really wanting to leverage this broader base of, of, of samples for. But you were saying that you have samples from every state, all 48 states at least right now, but the total number of samples is what, 1,500, 2,000, something like that? Yeah, so I've been, I've been collecting over the last 10 years. We have every state and every Canadian province and most Mexican states. 
um, of, of a variety of species. And at this point, just mallards alone, we're almost at 3,000 samples. We have um, hundreds of model ducks and hundreds of Mexican ducks. And then we have, you know, the 20, 30 plus samples of all the different other waterfowl species. And the reason that we're, we got to the point that we are now is because we have these references, right? You can send me a duck and you're like, I think this is a, even send it be like, I think this is a bufflehead merganser. We can do that because we have, I've, we've been able to, through all these studies I've been a part of, develop data sets that, that can serve now as references comparing these. And at this moment in time, exactly at this moment in time, we're in, in fact, diving deeper into bringing in geese. You know, hopefully in, in two years or so, we'll have the reference data sets for every North American goose uh, clay, you know, group species. So that way you could be like, oh, is this a raw snow hybrid? We could answer that kind of question soon. Um, just as much as we can tell you how much of a brewer's duck your brewer's duck is. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, so so over, this is sort of, we, we've come to the 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 part where we're able to do the things that we are because of the last 10 years. So in right? one so in one year now going forward, we hope to increase that sample size for mallards and and some of the other species by 30, 40 percent. Maybe even I don't think we'll get to 50 percent because for for maybe for model ducks, Mexican ducks, depends on how things go, who who our participants are. But we're gonna make a sizable increase in that data set just in one year. So right now, we know we're doing it this year. 300 participants, I should say up to 300 participants, up to 1,500 total samples collected. We're going to be focusing on the mallard clade and hybrids, no geese this year. Uh, we are, the, the, the website is duckdna.com. Uh, that's pretty easy to remember, I think. It's a little catchy name there. Surely folks won't forget that. And... It's free for people to participate, a random draw to determine those participants, but you have to sign up. You have to apply to be considered. Uh, if you're selected, they're going to, did we say they're going to talk about how they're going to create an account? I think I mentioned it. Yeah, they'll create an account. And then once you sample your harvest, your birds, collect the tissue, you'll, yeah, you'll submit some information and then drop it in the mail. And then in a few weeks, what are we thinking? And how, what's Three the turnaround? What do we think it's going to be? Three to four week turnaround, hopefully for this. Uh, for, for them to get the results. Yes. Yeah. Results reported to your portal and certificate delivered within three to four weeks. And we know that sounds a little bit long, but we're asking for some patience because of, you know, we're still figuring out the kinks logistically as well. Yeah. Phil, you and I were talking yesterday and we're so, so we're over here in Memphis. We've got some of the some of the components of this. Our staff, our IT and web staff, are just doing incredible work to build this website, get everything functional, uh, and then of course we're going to be sending you and your staff out in El Paso, the shipping materials, and a lot of other things. And uh, people that that get selected are also get these little cool duck DNA stickers, logo stickers uh, that that our staff have also created, and. We we both realized when we were talking yesterday, Phil, that we're yeah this is we're gonna have to just get comfortable with a little bit of a wild wild west as we start to get into this because we don't know the pace at which at which 
people are going to sign up. We don't know the pace at which we're going to have to be mailing out these kits. We don't know the pace at which they're going to be returned to us. We don't know the pace at which we're going to be able to turn these certificates around. So there's there will be some unknowns here, but but it's full go. It's happening. Uh, whether this continues next year, I think, is going to depend on the uh, the interest this year and feedback we get and how well we, we execute on, on all the important steps. Uh, we will have a helpline on the website. We'll be looking for, for uh, and we'll make ourselves available to answer questions. We'll probably, I can imagine us reaching out to participants afterwards to find out what they liked, disliked, what we need to improve upon for next year. Yeah. What am I missing? Just keep in mind, whenever you call that customer service number, you better get used to these voices because it's going to be me <laughs> and Mike right. answering all of your questions. Oh, that's right. I can <laughs> so, hear the prank calls coming yeah, now. We, we're here for you, though. You know, like something I really, really want to reiterate is, and I know that so many of you hunters listening already know this, but y'all are the ones that you know, are the most active participants in this kind of conservation and you really care about the species that you're invested in and, you know, your engagement with this is paramount. We need you as much as y'all need those ducks. So let's help each other out this year. That's right. What else, Phil? I think we're about, uh, you know, there's going to be all sorts of resources coming out on various social media channels, DU Nation, uh, what else? Uh, there will be some videos on the website. We're going to provide as many resources as possible. Try to get the word out as 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 far and wide as possible. Share with all of your friends. Uh, we want to find out what the real interest is uh, and demand is for this type of of hunter scientist participation. Phil, what else? No, I think you guys covered it. I mean, uh, once we start going, I'll be excited to hear what people say. Hopefully, good. I'm sure there's some bad, and and hopefully, we'll be able to answer some of those questions. All I can say is uh, I'm excited about it, and I hope that the hunters out there are excited about it. Just think about it as a, you know, you're not only investing into additional information that will help science conserve uh, the future of waterfowl and waterfowl hunting, but you're going to be able to be there uh, uh, and say, hey, you know that duck that's sitting on that mantle? Funny fact, that's 50% mallard, 50% pintail, and the mom was a pintail. Uh, so you're gonna, you know, those are that. I think that's pretty cool and pretty awesome. So I hope I hope folks get excited. Yeah. Or it's 99 percent wild mallard. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and then you could be you could be like you got a 90 percent wild mallard. That's right. Great. <laughs> you know, all sorts of competitions. You know, uh, who in who in your club uh, ends up with the the mallard with the highest like like. Uh, <laughs> the highest percentage of, of wild mallard genetics at the end of the year. All sorts of uh, fun that people All sorts of stuff you could bet on. <laughs> no, and, and the other part of it is that, you know, for every state, as we could, uh, hopefully we, we, we continue after this year, but as we grow this data set on the mallard side, on, on the other, the general hybrid side, we're going to be able to fine tune areas, like I said, of where potentially, if you're a hybrid enthusiast, you could go to this region mm. and go get yourself a model duck Mexican duck hybrid. That's new. Wow. Uh, you could go over there and for you know potentially for some reason there might be pintail mallard hybrids in certain areas. Once we start gathering this data, we can provide we'll be be providing these sorts of like 30,000 foot elevation maps where you're going to start to zone in and and look and clo closer and closer to you know, where are hybrids, where are the uh, uh, pure mallards and pure model ducks and black ducks and pintail and so forth. And and kind of you can start thinking about where you want to go hunting and how you want to hunt. 
And obviously coming back to the habitat, uh, that information is going to be key and critical to to uh, to put another layer of decision make decision making on what habitat and wh- where that habitat needs to be conserved for the DU side of things. Phil, I really really appreciate your your excitement, your engagement, all the contributions that y'all are making uh, to this project. We are thrilled that we're able to be part of it. Thrilled that we're able to to bring this to life. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much for all the absolutely stunning leadership that you've been able to provide on this and working across multiple departments. I don't think when you arrived here, you thought you'd be working with as many people, great people (laughs) of different backgrounds, different uh, areas of expertise uh, as you have been, right? Yeah, I know. Every moment I'm learning more about the pieces that go into this kind of stuff and also growing my own confidence knowing that I can manage it, you know, and handle it to some degree. Yeah, so we've got you for a few more months. And mm-hmm. then, of course, we'll all keep keep track of you and where you go in your career. And there's <laughs> more information that we'll hopefully share, uh, have an opportunity to share in, in, in the future on that. I do have to acknowledge the people that are helping to fund this research. I mentioned it's free to the participants. At, at this, we're still fundraising for it right now. If folks are interested, feel free to reach out to me. You can you can reach us through the Ducks Unlimited uh through the DU Podcast email. That's dupodcast at ducks.org. Right now, we have Mark and Sherry Pierce that have been financial contributors to this effort, the Ducks Unlimited Southern Regional Office. And I know our our development officers are working with a number of other folks right now. Uh, We don't have the full list of of those folks, but they will eventually appear on that website. If you're interested, get in touch with us. We'll fill you you in with, with more about this opportunity. And... Yeah, we'll be bringing more information to you in a lot of different forms going forward. Share this episode with all your friends. Make them aware of this opportunity. DuckDNA.com. No other no other effort underway like this on the planet. And you can be a part of it. Ashley, thanks for joining us. Phil, it's great to have you here as well. And uh, look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you all. A very special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Dr. Phil Lavretsky, University of Texas, El Paso, and Ashley Tunstall, our conservation science assistant here at Ducks Unlimited's national headquarters. We appreciate all their expertise uh, and support on this effort. We thank you, the listener and hunter, for your participation in this podcast, for your participation in Duck DNA. Uh, we thank you most importantly for your longstanding commitment and support of wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.